0: Money FM 89.3, best of drive time. The Washington Report. Money FM 89.3, good afternoon. It is drive time. Elliot Danker, Timothy Goen, and TNTM with you. Today, we're talking about headlines out of the United States, and in particular, an American who's been lauded as an old friend of China.
1: Well, of course, you know, when an old friend of China comes to visit, no effort is too much to make. Uh, The diplomatic heavyweight will always feel
0: welcome. Yeah, that was the case for former U.S. Secretary of State Harry Kissinger, who last week uh, visited China, treated to quite a lunch, it (laughs) (laughs) seems.
1: And of course, this visit is also being looked at for cultural significance as President Xi Jinping spoke fondly of his old friend who celebrated, guess how old Henry Kissinger is.
0: It's like 100 now? Yeah. Amazing.
1: Still traveling. And still relevant. Yes. Still, you know, the the statesman of the world. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's discuss this and what it means for U.S.-China relationships as well. Trisha Craig, Vice President, Engagement and Senior Lecturer of Social Sciences, Sociology and Political Science at Yale NUS College. Trisha, good afternoon. How are you?
2: I'm well. Good afternoon to you guys.
0: All right. Let's uh, talk about, you know, how... Chinese Mm -hmm. President Xi Jinping getting nostalgic when it comes to uh, Harry Kissinger. It's a bit of a surprise visit, especially at a time where tensions between Washington and Beijing seem to be escalating. What's what's happening here?
2: You know, it is really, uh, I think, surprising to the casual observer that somebody a 100 would just go to China. <laughs> wow. But I think, you know, from Kissinger's point of view, mm. I think, um, as you said, you know, he's still relevant. I think this is him trying in part, at least to um, sort of cement his legacy. It was more than 50 years ago that he opened China mm. to the U.S. And certainly um, the Chinese remember that and hold him in high regard for it. And I think but also in the here and now, you know, he's still, as you guys mentioned, energetic and sharp. Uh, he is not spending his golden years golfing, but he is there at a time when others have come to uh, Beijing and not gotten quite the same welcome. John Kerry, for example, uh, was there just before Kissinger, and while his welcome was polite and you know diplomatically correct, and he met with his counterparts, it was not the same love fest that we saw with Kissinger.
1: All right, Tricia, to borrow Hillary Clinton, former Secretary of State as well, uh, words, a reset. Can can Henry Kissinger perhaps influence a reset in U.S.-China relations?
2: You know, I think part of the appeal of the visit on the part of the Chinese is that they are well aware that the mood in Washington is very anti-China. And that's true among both the Democrats and Republicans. So here you have Henry Kissinger, who's a private citizen, but highly influential, largely respected across the sort of political spectrum. Um, And so, you know, perhaps he can remind Americans that there was a different way of doing Mm U.S.-China relations. But I think the idea that, um, as I think the BBC suggested, that maybe this could be a back channel for negotiations, The White House kind of threw cold water on that suggestion. They were quite pointed to say that Kissinger was there as a private citizen. But, I mean, I think they will certainly debrief him. And I would be uh, not surprised that if in the coming weeks, you know, we hear a lot from Kissinger as he makes the rounds of policy talk shows and does interviews. But, you know, I think in the long run, it's not going to move the needle that much. We saw a lot of criticism from the Republicans, given the administration's different visits, uh, not just But Treasury Secretary uh, Yellen, and, Mm. you know, they were quite critical. And the White House has to respond to that by saying Biden is the, you know, toughest administration on China uh, ever. And so that's really not, I think, conducive to a real reset in relations.
0: It sounds like, as you mentioned, it's not going to move the needle all that much. Then is it fair to speculate and ask the question what would China's agenda be with regard to this visit?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, in part it is a. Sort of historic recognition of the importance that Kissinger has had for the country, and so it was a way of thanking him in what may be his last visit there. Um, but I also think that it is really about them trying to, you know, interject a little bit of non-political or sort of private conversation okay. around Washington.
1: No more than a show, then I guess, or a back channel for all, you know. Oh. I mean, at least lunch lunch was good. as you, yeah. as you <laughs> mentioned, and of course the White House will never admit to that. Um, Let's move on and talk about Private Travis King. The American soldier ran across the border into North Korea. What's the deal there? Do you know? (laughs) <laughs> I don't,
2: but it is, cer- can you speculate? It is certainly, yes, I can. um, it is certainly a strange story. Um, I think that what we're hearing from the State Department is they are trying to get information about where he's being held. So he is a private that was being sent back to the u s to mm. face disciplinary actions. He's had a lot of disciplinary problems uh, during his army stint in north korea and sorry, in South Korea. And it seems that he sort of joined a uh, joined a tour. And just ran across the DMZ, and then was and then was taken. The U.S. and North Korea do not have diplomatic relations. Uh, they often work through the Swedish embassy, which maintains ties with the regime. And we understand that the U.S. has reached out to Sweden, but so far there's not a lot of information coming out about where the private is or what kind of shape he's in.
0: I would be scared to run across the DMZ, so that's one thing. But uh, the U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken did signal possible action if china fails to rein in north korea's military moves everyone seems to be getting involved now
2: yes um i think though that the point of china reigning in north korea is less about um this really unfortunate sort of banner in the diplomatic works, than really wanting to demilitarize the Korean Peninsula. So Uh, what the U.S. is hoping for is that China will put some pressure on North Korea to sort of roll back some of the process towards nuclearization. And if they don't, um, basically Blinken has said, well, the U.S. will then be forced to do some things that... China really won't like specifically strengthening and shoring up not just the U.S.'s own defenses in the region, but also those of South Korea and Japan and deepen the work that all three countries are doing together. And that's something that uh, is a a bit of an annoyance to the Chinese.
1: Tricia, the Aspen Security Forum is going to be held in Colorado as well. What do you think will be the key takeaways? What's going to be in the agenda?
2: We do definitely have some big names there. Antony Blinken, Ukrainian President Zelensky came in virtually. But I don't think uh, this is going to be the kind of conference that's going to produce a lot of major headlines. Certainly Ukraine was on the agenda, but there was certainly no evidence given that the U.S. expects a quick end to the war. Um, So I think... In terms of expectations, we're kind of in a long-run engagement there. One of the really interesting parts, though, I think, of the conference was the attention that they were paying to regulating AI or artificial intelligence. Mm. And I think we're going to see a lot more conversations about this in the coming months. Among the attendees, there's the sense, I think, that AI can be extremely dangerous, but also that there's still time to ensure that it helps rather than harms humanity. One of the sponsors of the conference was Microsoft, and Bill Gates has been pretty outspoken saying, you know, we really need world governments to regulate this technology. So that was a really interesting conversation that was going on, and one that is a little bit unusual for this, uh, for this type of conference.
0: One of the, seen the latest Mission Impossible movie where the bad guy it was an <laughs> AI, another spoiler- <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: but we've got Anthony <laughs> blinking
0: as well, trucking up some miles, heading over to Tonga, New Zealand, Australia this week. What is on the agenda here? What's interesting is, what, this is the third trip to the region in two months? Quite That's a struggle right. he's putting out there.
2: Yes. You know, I think in some ways what we're seeing is the long-discussed and much maligned Asia pivot. It looks like it's taking shape. So this trip, he's going to open a new embassy in Nuka the capital of Tonga. From there, he'll go on to New Zealand to cheer Team USA, uh, the stars and stripes (laughs) as they play the Netherlands in the Women's World Cup. And in Australia, he and Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin will meet with their Australian counterparts. But I think what we're really seeing here is, you know, I mean, Tonga is not a country that is often in the news, but the U.S. considers it strategically important given its place in the region and tensions with China. Almost two weeks ago, the State Department announced it's going to massively increase spending on embassies and personnel in Pacific Island nations, um, and that is to counter China's growing weight in the region. So this is really strategically an important visit.
1: Trisha, let's talk about, well, somebody that everyone wants to hear about because uh, Donald Trump, of course, facing more legal and criminal uh, woes. But according to the latest opinion poll, if an election were held last Friday, at least, he would trump President Biden 45 to 40 percent, even 47 to 38 percent if he was up against Vice President Harris. What's up with that? Can you explain this mentality in the U.S. to us?
2: Yeah, it is, you know, surprising to many people that his hardcore supporters and even some independents are not really phased by this slew of indictments. Uh, and I don't think that is likely to change. With every new indictment, his supporters seem to dig in their heels. I think one of the issues that we have is that. The rest of the Republican field has been really hamstrung in terms of commenting on this. They've really sort of held their fire. They are not criticizing this. You know, usually if you're running against a front runner who has all these legal troubles, this would be Mm -hmm. like manna from heaven for most candidates. Mm -hmm. But they are very wary of upsetting his voters. And I think, you know, some of the although Biden's poll numbers are getting better the us economy is doing well there are still concerns about his age and you know other inflation is still certainly tamed running higher than people had expected so there are reasons why trump continues his hold on, on the american psyche
1: it is hard to believe right for people especially for why people not?
0: outside of america i cannot be stopped <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. Uh, and the saga continues. Uh, we'll definitely pick this up again. We've been speaking with Trisha Craig, Vice President, Engagement, and Senior Lecturer of Social Sciences, Sociology and Political Science, Yale and U.S. College. Trisha, appreciate your time as always. Take care and have a great week ahead. Thanks, you too.
1: To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's AWEDIO Audio at the App Store and Google Play.